Tonight we focus on addictions, but an addiction to a person or persons or just a, a string of people. Basically, an addiction to a person would involve um, obsessive thoughts about the relationship, feelings of confusion, desperation. One thing we know for sure, addictive relationships are toxic, yet very powerful. To discuss this with us tonight, we uh, invite once again David Essel, who specializes in all kinds of addictions. He's the best-selling author of Positive Thinking Will Never Change Your Life. He's a counselor. He's a master life coach, has helped thousands upon tens of thousands of people with all kinds of addictions, and he's a regular on the program here tonight. David, welcome back. Dr. Lori, always be great to be with you, honey. <laughs> Thank you so much. Always great to have you and take for you to take the time to be with us. So when we're talking about an addiction to bad relationships, let's let's spell it out a little bit in terms of uh, what would make somebody an addict to bad relationships. It starts normally in childhood. You know, most of us when we go into adulthood or we go into the world of dating and we're choosing incorrect partners, um, maybe we're the enabler or maybe we're the control freak. More often than not, Lori, we see that they are modeling something that they saw in childhood. So, and, and people all the time, you know, have this concern, oh my God, or do I have to beat up on my mom and dad? And it's like, no, we're not talking that kind of stuff. But we're saying that for someone to go ahead and be attracted uh, to an individual who is power hungry, who it might be even on the narcissistic scale. You know, we believe it's a huge scale. We don't right. think it's, you know, that everyone is a narcissist. As a matter of fact, the last statistics that I looked at, only about 3% of the world's population falls into the narcissistic personality disorder um, spectrum. Right. So, but, but, you know, we have to see where does this come from? And, and more often than not, if you're raised in an environment where mom or dad was abusive emotionally and or physically, uh, either to the each other, to, to themselves, or to the child, or it even could be, Dr. Lori, like aunts and uncles that they see regularly where there's some kind of dysfunction in the relationship. We are automatically put behind the eight ball. And there's a lot of clients that I'll work with in their 60s and 70s that never had a clue that their 50 years of dysfunction started when they were 2 to 18, seeing the insanity in their own home. Right. You know what's interesting, too, is when I uh, work with couples, like couples who are uh, very toxic and, and um, let, let's say they're thinking about divorce, but they're also thinking, no, we're going to, we'll stay for the kids, but continue this cycle. And, you know, I'll often point out exactly this is like, first pay attention to what you're showing your children, not what you're telling them, but what yeah. you're showing them a relationship is because if the two of you continue to have huge conflicts and are nasty to each other and you continue to be abusive to each other in, and the children are witnesses to this, this is the example you're showing them. Oh, well, you know, and they, they, they're raised in that environment and they believe at the very least on the subconscious level that this is love. And that this is normal. And this is normal, and this is a marriage, and this is a relationship, and they go out and repeat it. You know, I, I have a story that just happened. You know, we, we work, well, Lori, as you mentioned, we've helped thousands of people over 30 years now, um, and we work with people from all over the world. And I was working with a couple, and I, I had to fire the wife. Uh, the, the, the couple had been married 20 years. They were extremely dysfunctional. 
Um, there was addiction. There was everything else. So I got the husband actually to continue to do the work, and he quit a, a very serious uh, alcohol addiction. Mm-hmm. And he was doing all kinds of work, and his wife never gave him credit for any of the work that he was doing. As a matter of fact, she'd blow it off, and every time, you know, he, and we call this raising the bar of dysfunction. But right. every time, you know, he would make a change and come home and share it with her, she'd say, well, that's not enough. Whatever you're doing with this guy is not enough. And if you want this marriage to stay, it's whatever you're doing. And so, you know, raising the bar of dysfunction. Well, that's called crazy making. And unfortunately, this story has a very sad ending where he came home and she, you know, we had let her go because she was very obnoxious and arrogant in, in our sessions. And he had talked to her that night about how he was so proud that even though she didn't recognize that he is working really hard to get sober and do all these things, that he felt good about where he was going in life. And in that moment, he turned around unexpectedly, had no idea this was coming, and she punched him in the face with a closed fist. Oh, wow. Now, we know that's domestic violence. We know that's domestic abuse. He came in the next week. He shared the story. And he said, I don't think I'm going to be able to work with you anymore, David. Wow. Like, it's that level of dysfunction. And I said, are you going to go home to, you know, a wife that punched you in the face yesterday? He said, yeah. He goes, I I think we can still turn this around. That's the addiction, isn't it? That's the addiction. And the definition, Lori, that we use for an addiction, if anyone is interested in jotting this down, it's the simplest one that we came up with years ago is an addiction is a return to any substance, thought, behavior, or relationship that is unhealthy for you, period. That's it. The definition of addiction is very easy. If you continue to return to someone who puts you down, belittles you, hits you, screams at you, etc., you're in an addictive relationship. Yeah, and it follows the same rules as any other addiction. Relationship addictions do follow those same rules, right? Oh, yeah. Huge withdrawal. I mean, there is such massive withdrawal, and, and there's there's a lot of chemicals involved here, right? And so you and I have talked in the past about oxytocin, mm-hmm. one of the most powerful hormones in the body. It's called bonding hormone for a reason. When When people have sex, the, the, the amount of oxytocin released in the woman is huge. It's, there's a large amount released with the man as well. Once that barrier is crossed and we have that oxytocin release, well, like any other drug, when you stop getting it, there's going to be withdrawals. So when people say, I have no idea why I keep going back to him or her because they're insane or they're this, and what we see is there's about a 14 to 21-day window that we see in our practice, Lori, where that someone can sustain that withdrawal of oxytocin for about 14 to 21 days. Hmm. And, and then they get a text. All it takes is a text. Right. Saying, hey, just wanted to say hi. Nothing more than that, just wanted to say hi. So they're fishing. And all of a sudden, the other partner hasn't been with them for 7 or 14 days, and there's the kick-in. Now all of a sudden, the drug is released. And within a short period of time, there's a good chance they'll be back together going through the dynamic same cycle. Yeah. Yep. Of chaos drama. We're talking about relationship addiction. The first Thursday of every month, we focus on addiction. And this is a, I found a really interesting way to look at addiction is to look at the, those of us who, 
find ourselves in the same patterns over and over or going back to uh, the same kind of the same person over and over and over again, knowingly knowing that it's quite toxic. But, you know, it's interesting because I hear the same kind of story over and over from some of my some men, but mostly from uh, like some female clients, but one in particular who was, you know, very uh, educated woman, very smart. She herself couldn't figure out, like, why do I keep going back? And she kept bringing up the, but our sex is so amazing and the connection is so amazing. But yet the the put-downs and the making her feel small and the, the jealousies and the insecurities, like, all of this came up. And she has gone back and forth and back and forth for a whole year. Finally, she decided to come in for therapy and we started working on this and putting it like putting the facts front and center for her. Um, and something clicked in her realizing, oh my goodness, like I'm seeing it for what it is. Like this is, I can't go back to that. This is impossible. <laughs> so something finally clicked. And, and and that's something you're very fortunate and she's very fortunate, Dr. Lori, because there's too many relationships where that something never clicks to the point where that they take care of themselves, right? Right. And, and it can, like, or sometimes it can take years, right, David? Like it's not that she was lucky. This was a year. But I've seen oh, situations where people have been trying to get out of a relationship for 10 years. Right. And, and the other thing that I think is important, you know, when we talk and say that a lot of this starts at the family level, the, the core family cycle, as it's described, is that there's another way to look at it, too, that people sometimes don't correlate because we think of insane relationships and, you know, and then someone will go, well, you know, my dad wasn't an alcoholic and my mom wasn't an alcoholic or a drug addict and my mom and dad never fought. But here's the key, and especially for women, we have to pay attention to this. The most important emotional bond for a woman growing up is with her father, by far. When it comes to relationships, by far the most important. So you have a dad who's a workaholic or who's emotionally unavailable, who's never connected even with his wife or any other woman at at a level that is meaningful and safe and protective. And let's say that he's just emotionally unavailable. He works too much or whatever it might be. He he decides that instead of being around with the family and sitting down and having special time with his little princess and doing things to make her feel special, that he just provides enough to survive. So she goes out into the world and attracts emotionally unavailable men who maybe aren't honest or maybe don't speak their mind or maybe are fill in the blank. And she feels that's normal because she was raised with an emotionally unavailable father. Yeah, it's uh, you know when you when I hear you talk like that, it it just makes me uh, it fills me with gratitude that I picked such a for me such a wonderful man to be the father of my children who has a wonderful relationship with his daughters. So, whew, yeah. it makes me feel like. Okay, maybe, uh, you know, that was something good there. Uh, We're going to continue to talk with David Essel. You can find him at talkdavid.com. He is the author of Positive Thinking Will Never Change Your Life and Other Works. Uh, He is a counselor and master life coach who joins us from uh, the U.S. And happy 4th of July, by the way. Happy birthday, America. Uh, We'll we'll be uh, continuing to talk about uh, addicted, the signs that you're addicted to a bad relationship and 
we'll get to how to break that cycle with David Essel coming up after uh, we check in with our CJD 800 newsroom. Tonight we focus on addictions and we are focusing on being addicted to bad relationships or a bad relationship. Sometimes there's a we, we have this cycle or a pattern and we may be noticing that why is it I find myself always attracted to relationships that end up being really toxic. So there's that and how come I can't get out of a relationship that is toxic. So those are all... They all follow the same rules, basically, as other kinds of addiction. Our addiction specialist for tonight is David Essel. He is the author of uh, Positive Thinking Will Never Change Your Life. He's a counselor, master life coach. You can find him at talkdavid.com. All right, David, what should people be looking for? Because oftentimes, you know, it takes a little while before they realize, holy cow, this is this is really toxic, and I need to, to do something about this. Lori, what we've seen is that within the first 90 days, you know everything you need to know about the person you're dating, period. Mm. It's, it, there, there is no way that anyone that we've ever worked with has, can, can convince me that, you know what, until we got married, we dated for four years, he was perfect, she was perfect, and the day after we got <laughs> And I don't buy it. You know, it's like, no, 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 right. no. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. So this is what happens. You know, when you meet someone and you have that chemistry, that attraction, uh, the logical side of the brain shuts down completely. And, of course, that's a joke, but it's not really. Right. You know, logic goes out the window. Emotion wins. And so in the beginning, I understand when we're, you know, a client comes in and I don't know how I got into this mess. But, you know, when I first met, our eyes connected and sparks were flying or the first kiss drove me up a wall. And I understand all that, you know, and that's a huge part of relationships. We want that passion, hence the name of your show. Right. We want that excitement. We want all that. And that's great. But within 90 days, the cards have been shown. And I can give you, I can give you a million examples, but one is that a, a woman came in and she had been with a guy for about a year. And she said, I don't know what happened. He just recently changed. He was never like this. And so I said, okay, well, let's go back just for the heck of it. Let's go back and look at the first 30 days. Within the first 30 days, this guy had treated a waitress in a restaurant horrendous and a cashier in a store horrendous. What that tells us is that, and those were both women, he has no respect for women. Mm -hmm. So when we went back and looked at it, she said, well, now that you're asking me, you know, week two this happened, week four that happened. And then in the second month, she started to be able to recall certain things that he had been doing, telling her that she wasn't very smart, that she wasn't very creative. And he, and he would, in other words, he was setting the trap and it was a trap for control. And she bit it. She bit the whole bait. And now a year into it, she was afraid to leave. She didn't want to be alone. And yet when we were able to walk it back, Lori, she was able to see that this guy didn't change at month 11. He was always that way. He just didn't put it out in her face the way he did to the cashier and the waitress. So we say to people, all you know, within 90 days, you know. Um, an, another, I just helped a woman through a divorce, married for 35 years, five children, 
Um, the last 10 years were not good, she told me. The last two years were horrendous. And I said, you know, tell me what's going on. And she said, well, you know, he had affairs and he had this and he had that. And I said, let's go back to the beginning. Listen to this, Lori. Their very first date, he takes her to a, a frat party. They're in huh. college together. And he drops her off in the living room and he comes back four hours later and looks at her and just goes, time to go. Let's get in the car. Right. And, and that's the way he was the whole time. He was an emotionally unavailable man, husband. He was emotionally unavailable to her and to the children. So, you know, everyone that's listening right now that's in a relationship that is unhealthy, potentially addictive, but definitely unhealthy, look at the first three months. And if you're honest with yourself, you will find that there were keys being given away right away that this was not a healthy place for you. Right. And when I, when I, I do the same work and I, I work in the same way where I ask people, all right, let's look at the red flags that yeah. uh, that they admit when they see they, – they admit that, yes, they were there. They chose somehow to ignore them and yeah. to say, yes, but, right? Yes, but <laughs> yeah. the sex yeah. is so good. Yes, but – uh, there's potential for change, or yes, but they'll they they would get better, or or what have you. So, but you're right, the red flags can be picked up. It's just that sometimes because of, like you said, the the histories that we may have, we may not be able to spot them so quickly, or we train ourselves to deny them. And the second one is the big one, Dr. Lori, in our work, is that we see people justifying, rationalizing, and denying um, the reality of their situation because they don't want to be alone or because the person has a great body or great sex or, you know, whatever it might be. And we start to justify and rationalize. One of the things, you know, and I had this great um, conversation uh, with Jenny McCarthy on her radio show where she was wide open with me because I let off by saying – you know, one of the biggest problems I had early on in my world of dating was that I would date people who had great potential to change. <laughs> and, and, yeah. Right? And, and, and I was the white knight, and I'm going in, and I'm picking up these damsels in distress, and the, it always ends in crap. And Jenny looks at me, and she goes, oh, my God, I'm the male version of you. And right. I laughing, and, and I said, talk to me. And she said, I'm the one that would go find the starving artist who had great talent but never wanted to work. Or I would find the guy that had great business ideas, but he was always broke because he spent money ridiculously. And she goes, I was attracted to the same thing, people with great potential. So if we're attracted or in a relationship right now and we're thinking that this guy or girl has potential to change, I will tell you we're probably going down a bad road. Right. We cannot be we cannot fall in love with someone's potential. No. It's like as is. Learn to you know, when you meet somebody, when you uh, commit to somebody, it's as is. It's like when you buy something in a store, that's, right? Yeah. It has a crack in it and that's why it's on sale. Well, it's not, you're not going to take it home and it's suddenly going to be a, the perfect piece, nor can you ever expect it to be. That's right. And, yeah. and you know what, and if we can be just frank and honest, what is the, you know, besides growing up between zero and 18 in an environment where that it was toxic or mom or dad or both were emotionally unavailable or addicted or emotionally abusive to each other or physically abusive, we've got all that down. But then the other thing we have to look at, we've got to look within 
And we have to say the number one reason that I am repeating these relationships that are unhealthy is because I have extremely low self-esteem and confidence. Right. And but and a, and a toxic in a toxic relationship because of that low self esteem or the vulnerabilities those insecurities, the other person picks up on that uses that against you makes you feel unlovable dumb or uh, reinforces those negative perceptions and then keeps you in that cycle because it just reinforces it and it gets harder and harder to believe in yourself when the person who supposedly loves you is the one who keeps putting you down. Lori, perfectly said. If you've ever heard your former partner, hopefully, or your current partner say, you'll never find someone as great as I am. You'll never find someone as smart. You'll never find someone as whatever. That's the time to walk. (laughs) We're talking with uh, David Essel. We're going to talk coming up how to break the cycle of addiction to bad relationships uh, with David Essel at talkdavid.com. This is our addiction night, and tonight I'm I'm happy. We are focusing on uh, people who are addicted to bad relationships, and unfortunately, David and I I both see so many examples of these hundreds of people who find themselves in these kinds of cycles. So let's see if we can help you break that cycle. And if you have any thoughts or you have your own stories that you want to share with us, you can text us at 514-800. Right now, let's check the state of our roads with Jill Fitzgerald. Our addiction night tonight, and we're talking about uh, breaking addictions to bad relationships, different kind of addiction that we're focusing on tonight. Uh, David Essel joins me. He is a counselor and master life coach. He is the uh, best-selling author of Positive Thinking Will Never Change Your Life. He specializes in all kinds of addictions, including relationship addictions. TalkDavid.com is his website. So let's uh, let's end the show, David, with um, maybe some advice or steps to break an addiction to a person. Number one, and this is one that people struggle with, but I'll tell you, it's the only way to start to change that subconscious mind and help people to boost their own levels of self-love and self-confidence is become single for 365 days in a row, Lori. Mm. We, we know this works. For the clients of ours that go through the program that we teach on shattering codependency, which is what we're talking about here, when you're in a codependent relationship, you will rationalize, justify, and defend going back to the insanity. And so we say, listen, if, if you've seen a cycle, unless you're like 21 years of age, if you're 30, 40, 50, 60, there's probably a pattern in a cycle right. that has been repeated. Different names, different faces, different bodies, same end result, right? Yeah. So we say, listen, take a year off. Get a chance to learn to love yourself. Get a chance to learn to put time and energy into your body, your temple, into hobbies, into volunteering. Scrap the whole thing of relationships for 365 days. Go through the seasons, birthdays, holidays, Christmas, Easter, Fourth of July in the, in the United States. Go through these things single. See what it's like to create deep friendships. See what it's like to learn how to trust yourself. 
And then we ask people to go ahead and write about something you mentioned earlier as step number two. Step number one is to commit to 365 days of single. You can do it. If you live to 83 years of age, you're not going to die by being on your own for 12 months. (laughs) Number one. number, Number two is that... Write about the red flags that Dr. Lori mentioned earlier. Write about what doesn't work for you, what hasn't worked for you. Put the people's names on a piece of paper and write out the attributes that they brought that drove you crazy, that put you down. When you have that year off and that time to reflect, you're going to come back to the plate. And the odds, if you're aware of those red flags, those deal killers, if you're really aware of them, you still may attract people that aren't kind, aren't nice, aren't considerate. But the odds are now you're going to have the self-will, the self-love, and the self-confidence to end the relationship before it turns into insanity. Exactly. Another way of looking at it, too, is uh, keeping a relationship log. In other words, looking – like really, you said it, going backwards, picking it apart, like – how did the relationship start? How uh, was there, was one person more dominant? Was one person uh, more controlling? How would you spend your time? Who would make those decisions? What was the emotional tone of the relationship? Were you often depressed? Were you often angry? Were you often uh, frustrated, feeling desperate, insecure, bored? Like look at how you felt throughout that relationship. And also, um, Note down, like, did you get your needs satisfied emotionally in this? Uh, so looking, keeping a log of all of this and really picking it apart, like looking at it as a bunch of puzzle pieces will help you um, have this clear, like clarity and clarity allows you to step away from that uh, pattern to, to see the pattern. When you're in it, it's like you're one of those pieces of the puzzle in the chaos of like, you know, it's not a, it's like a box with a bunch of pieces, right? When you yeah. make the puzzle, you can st- take a step away and actually look at it uh, in a more objective fashion. And, and to add even more objectivity, if you has, are seeing a pattern of chaos and drama and insanity in your love relationships, make sure you're not trying to heal on your own. The odds of us, it, because it's an addiction, the odds of people being clean from alcohol on their own and happy is outrageously tiny. The odds of someone with a long-term pattern of dysfunctional relationships healing on their own, and you know this, Dr. Lori, as well, is it's extremely tiny. Find uh, a uh, non-biased, a professional, a counselor, a therapist who can help you go deeper than you would be willing to go on your own. And this is where we say to people, this is a great use of that 365 days off. Absolutely. Get, you know, you, and, you, and get to have friends and make sure that when you go into your next relationship, you don't cut out your hobbies, your workouts, your friends. Don't leave everything that you've created with this year off to become the healthiest person in the world to yourself. Don't let all that go when you're in a relationship and you decide to devote all of your time to Mr. or Miss Perfect. Right. Because you're going to end up back in the same place. So one of the things, that, the steps that I take with my uh, my clients going through this is also um, looking at what does a healthy relationship look like. Because a lot of people have grown up looking at n- non-healthy relationships, like within their surroundings, they don't know. that. Many times I'll hear clients say, I don't know what that looks like. I, like, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> right? Uh, so... 
getting that knowledge base, I think is also really important so that you set your expectations and you follow that. Like you say, okay, this is a healthy relationship. This is available to me. This is accessible. I deserve this. And Mm -hmm. then don't settle for less than that. And that the last thing you just said is so hard, especially for women, Lori, because women, mass consciousness, magazines, advertisements, jewelry stores, et cetera, will try and have very successfully, unfortunately, convinced women that if you're single, there's something wrong with you. Right. Um, it's, you know, men have the pressure of making money, right? Like, so men get judged constantly. You don't make enough money. Women get judged constantly if they're, if they're single. There must be something wrong with you. You're going to end up with 100 cats in your bed. You know, all of that kind of stuff, right? And right. There's, there's nothing wrong with being single. As a matter of fact, if we look at the millennials, and, and this is something that's controversial, but I'm loving what I'm seeing. Millennials are putting off long-term commitment to marriage. Yep. I think it's brilliant. You know, people put down the friends with benefits and no strings attached. I think it's an opportunity. I'm, I'm coming from the opposite way. When you're young, I think it's great to experiment, to see the type of people that you, you might meet that you're compatible with, to be able to speak. Oh, and here's a benefit to me of a no-strength-attached relationship. Is you, you've got nothing to lose. Be honest all the time. Hmm. Be 100% honest. See what it feels like to be honest with people so that when you get into a loving, deep, committed relationship, you can continue being honest, speak your mind, Fight for your needs, your desires, and be compassionate to your partner. It's interesting you bring that up, but that's a topic for tomorrow night. I, I have that as on my list of things to talk about is how the millennial way, they may have uh, something to teach us in terms of going slower with love in that way and, and using sex as a get-to-know-you and then making that decision. But that's a topic for uh, for another for another night. Uh, well, it's been uh, it's certainly eye opening for I know a lot of people. There's just one text I want to get to. You, I'm sure we'll both have the same answer. If you're this question, if your neighbor is being assaulted, abused by their partner, and you know this because you can hear her screaming, should you call the police or an ambulance? I don't trust the Montreal police. Except you would call the police, wouldn't you? You'd want their in a heartbeat, in, yeah. in, a, in a heartbeat. And, and here's the other thing, Dr. Laurie, and I'm not sure what the, the law is in Montreal, but I know in a lot of places is that you can make a claim anonymously. Yes, you, you can do that here too. And it, in fact, it's the police who decide if there's cause for, uh, like it's, you know, sometimes, oftentimes the person being abused will say, no, no, I don't want to press charges, but it's not their decision here. It, the, the police can actually make it. Unfortunately, we run out of time, David, but I hope to speak to you maybe next month. Oh, you will. Love you, Lori. <laughs> you too, David. Take care. That's David Essel. If you want to know more about him, you can go to talkdavid.com. That's it for us. Uh, thank you so much for uh, spending your precious time with me. Thanks to our technical producer tonight, Benson Cook. Great having him. Uh, you can connect with me on social media at Dr. Lori Batito or through my website, drlori.com. Coming up next here on CJD, we bring you the CTV National News. Have a great rest of the evening and remember to live your life with passion.